0: So a couple more greetings on here just before we get started. Uh, Carmela's on here, the Lamberts, the Gallows. Uh, welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Uh, our friend in Myanmar, Pum, is here. Welcome. Jordan, you're here, but you're here. He's watching everywhere. Uh, let's see. Michael, the Riveras are here. All right. That was Facebook and my, my YouTube. I don't know what's going on. Let's see. Uh, Debbie's here. Looks like the same folks. Oh, the McManamans are here. Welcome. Daniel says he's here. But Daniel's also downstairs. So, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're in 2 Peter. We're in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. It's a little bit. uh, uh, We're just going to do the whole chapter this week because it it doesn't really lend itself to being broken up into parts. Um, But we are not going to read every verse of it today. Um, I'm going to just say you should read it uh, again this week. Like I do most times, I encourage you take this home, uh, read it, study it some more. But I want to start with a a little story. There was a guy I met in Montana. This was five or six years ago now. Um, And I try to have conversations with people wherever I go. And if I find out they don't go to church or they aren't believers, and I engage in a conversation, you know, about knowing Christ or I find out they do go to church or they are Christians. I start to ask them questions. So this guy said he's a Christian, and I said, okay, where do you go to church? And i got to read this. He said, oh, I don't go to church. I'm an end times harvester. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> so he told me a little bit about it. I went home. I Googled the webpage. Here's what it says. Learn of hidden prophetic revelation straight out of the Bible on the timing, the nature of the rapture, tribulation, uh, a bunch of other stuff. The, the nuking and the invasion of America. I'll give you the website later if you're interested. No, I'm just kidding. And much more. These videos will excite you by uniting scriptures from the whole Bible and put together the panorama of the end times. And you know what I thought when I read that? <laughs> I was like hogwash. That's that's hogwash. And here's why. Here's why we can know for sure that's not true. Matthew 24. We're going to get to Second Peter in a second. But this, this, Today's message, Second Peter, is all about identifying false teachers, false prophets, uh, things that are false uh, versus things that are true. So how did I know that what he was saying was false? Matthew 24, uh, starting in verse 40. The words of Jesus Christ, he says, "'Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming.'" But know this, if the master of house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Scripture is clear over and over again. We don't know, we can't know, and he isn't going to tell us. Anybody who ever says they know or they're going to tell you, it's false. Scripture's exceedingly clear on this point. Jesus warned the disciples and us repeatedly in Matthew 24 to keep watch. Verses 4 and 5, he said, Watch that no one deceives you. That's what we're going to talk about in Second Peter today. Many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Verses 10 and 11, he says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith. When deception comes, people turn away from faith. They will betray each other. They will hate each other. False prophets will appear and deceive many people. And then in verse 24, it says, false Christs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, even those who are in Christ, if that were possible. End times harvester, no idea what that is. But I do know this, that's false. We need to, we need to know what the Scripture says. We need to study the Bible and understand it so that we can be clear when teaching comes that's untrue. So we're going to be in Second Peter today. Uh, if you'll turn, um, I'm just going to pop this up on the screen here. So you can see where it's at. Um, there you go. We're in Second Peter 2, 1 through 22. We are not going to read all of it. We are going to jump around just a little bit. So um, follow along. We're going to read the first three verses to start. It says this in chapter 2 of Second Peter. False prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verses 9 and 10 says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion, and despise authority. We're going to jump down to 17 and then read through the end of the chapter. In describing those false teachers, false prophets, the author of Second Peter says this, These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice sensual pleasures of the flesh, to those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and have overcome, their last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from holy, the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, re- returns to wallow in the mire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll open up this word to us today. Explain to us what it means. Open our eyes, uh, our ears, our hearts, our minds uh, to what's going on around us and who is around us, who is speaking into us Uh, Lord, help us to become students of the Word of God who can see and understand what's true and what's false. Uh, Help us to identify that uh, in things that are coming at us from our culture, uh, from other people who say or claim to be Christians. Lord, just help us to to listen to you and that when you speak, we hear you. And when somebody speaks that says they're coming to you or coming to us in your name and they're not, Lord, that that will be obvious to us. Lord, so speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of this passage, I want you to understand in verse 1, he says there will be false teachers. False teachers are coming. Anybody ever met a false teacher? Some of you are raising a hand or a finger. Yes. Okay, so some of us have met false teachers. Um, The guy I met in Montana, false teacher. And, And I'm not ashamed or afraid to say that because it's true. That's what Scripture said. If he's, if he's teaching or preaching or leading people to, to a different way than what Scripture says, that's false. That makes that person a false teacher. So the author here, he, he lines out some things. Here's how to identify false teachers. So take notes, begin to think on these things, uh, and begin to be watchful for them. The first thing that a false teacher will do is, is secretly introduce destructive heresy. Now, I define the word heresy. I I was talking with Lydia last night because we had uh, some company for 4th of July, and she's like, you love to define words, and we were kind of talking about it. And I said, yeah, we're defining a word tomorrow. And I said, she said, what word is it? I said, it's heresy. And she said, do you think we really need to define the word heresy? I was like, why not? Because then we're really clear on what a heresy is. So let's take a look at what a heresy is. A heresy is a belief or a teaching that's contrary to orthodox Christian doctrine. In other words, if somebody says something that's opposite or, or in opposition to what Scripture says, that means it's a heresy. Have any of you ever said a heresy? <laughs> Whether intentionally or unintentionally, have you ever said something and then come back later and gone, oh, wait, that's not what Scripture says. We have to be very careful, don't we? To be very careful, uh, understanding and interpreting this book. We talked a little bit about that last week. Allowing the Bible to interpret the the Bible, and that we're very careful. So, uh, the couple of things I want you to notice is that these heresies, these false teachings, these these ideas are introduced usually in secret. Uh, it's not going to happen that somebody's going to well we. Pray and hope. It's not going to happen. If somebody's going to come and stand up here and introduce a heresy to the whole church, that's not usually how it happens. It usually is going to happen in the hallway, or or in the bathroom, or in the parking lot, or somewhere else where somebody introduces an idea. Maybe even a a small group Bible study. When you're having discussions, and you you know a lot of times when I lead small group Bible studies, we'll read some scripture and I'll say, "What do you guys think?" And sometimes people say stuff that's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what that says." And sometimes they say things you're like. No. <laughs> That's left field. You're you're you know? So we we have to to be listening for these things. The heresy in question here is what he says is that they will deny Jesus Christ. They will deny the master had bought them. In other words, they were denying the resurrection that that they were saying Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross and carry the sin of all men. He didn't die and was buried, and he didn't rise again. That was the heresy that he's talking about in this moment, that they would say that they were not bought with Christ. That, that, that was the heresy they were teaching. They were denying Christ's redemption for all of us. Now, why would they do that? And in general, why would somebody say something that's heretical. Why would they teach something? There's, there's several reasons. First, they could be doing it uh, out of ignorance, right? I didn't mention it, It's not going to be on the screen. Sometimes people introduce heresy into a group or into a church because of ignorance. They just didn't know any better. They didn't study hard enough. They didn't read. They didn't let Scripture interpret Scripture. You can go into the Scripture. You can take a verse, and you can make it say almost anything you want to, can't you? It's, it's easy to do. We have to be careful there. Sometimes it happens by accident, but these guys were doing it, it says, because they were greedy, the lesson here about heresy is this. Historically, people have changed the gospel more often for what? Their own benefit. Sometimes it's greed of money. Sometimes it's greed of pride. Sometimes it's, I don't want the scripture to say what it does, so I'm going to say it says something else. They change it to feel better about themselves. And then they find a group of people who also want to feel better, and they they. Breed the secret heresy. All of us are selfish. All of us are greedy, (laughs) right? I mean, let's be honest. At one, one time or another, we're selfish. One time or another, we're greedy. When someone changes the gospel and asks you to do the same, look behind the reason why they're asking that. Be very, very, very cautious and be very aware when somebody asks you to change the gospel Look and see what the greedy reason behind it might be. Now listen, it says, in their greed, this seems obvious, in their greed they will exploit you with made-up stories. In other words, they'll lie to you. <laughs> that seems obvious, doesn't it? But, but people who lie about things like this are really good at it. And you want to believe or you want to feel a certain way so you can be drawn in. False teachers are looking out for themselves, and they will do and say whatever they need to get what they want and position the Scripture to say what they need it to say. Listen how Paul describes these people in 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. Paul says this, "...but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty." People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I love that he put that one in there. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of goodness but denying its power. Here's what Paul says. Avoid such people. He doesn't say try to fix them. (laughs) He doesn't say kind of go along with them and listen to them. He says avoid them. When these kind of people come, the kind of people that we're talking about in 2 Peter, the kind of people Jesus talks about and he says that will come, the kind of people that that Paul is teaching Timothy, who was a pastor and so this is Paul teaching Pastor Timothy how to pastor. He's saying, you avoid these people and you teach the people that you flock, your flock, your congregation to avoid such people. And it says, among those kind of people, there are, there are these. Those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. I love that last, take, take warning on that last note. Verse 7. Always learning, but never arriving. Isn't that interesting? Always studying, but never arriving at the truth. Never getting there. Um, I think of it as always studying, but never applying. Never doing. Never acting. The good news is, in verse 9, the author of, of, of this passage says, "...the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials." And he also says the unrighteous are under punishment until the day of judgment, right? Now, he mentions two categories here, two more ways of recognizing false teachers. He says that this is especially true for those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and who despise authority. Uh, Another way of, of, of phrasing that is they follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature. So when you're trying to identify, is this person a false teacher Or a real teacher, we've learned a couple things, right? Uh, They they lie, they try to spin the gospel or or shift it in a different direction to say what they want. And another thing that they do is they don't live according to the way God said we should live. So look carefully at who you're listening to. How are they living? Watch how they live. How do they speak to their spouse? How do they treat their children? Uh, what do they do outside of the the walls of the of the church or out of the confines of the group? What are they like in life? In other words, so examine. In other words, are they who they say they are, and are they representing God in every arena of their life, or is it just a show here to get what they want, and it's different somewhere else? The other thing he says a way to um, to identify these kind of folks, is that they despise authority. Have you ever met anybody that despised authority? They just didn't want to follow. They didn't want to be led. They didn't want to, um, they didn't wanna, to submit. That's a word that we don't like, right? <laughs> they didn't want to submit to authority. Anytime somebody, maybe, it, for instance, in the church, somebody says, hey, we're going to do this, they're always the one to argue contra, To everything that's said, they are they are always of a negative opinion. They uh, often uh, are are not led by what's happening, but they're complaining about it. All right, how does all this apply? We're going to unpack that just a little bit more, because what we need to recognize, and what the author here wants us to recognize, is that you, each of you, everybody out there, me, and the church has enemies. We don't come to church on Sunday to hear that message. We want to be like, yay, worship God, uh, be together with the family, and go out, happy feelings, everything's great. Um, we can have some of that, but we need to be sober also and understand that there is a, uh, an enemy seeking to destroy and devour each of us and the church. And he will do that in a variety of ways. And one of the ways he will do that is through people who say false things, people who are uh, defiant against authority, people who teach falsely. Scripture says very clearly, be on your guard and protect the church. That's why there are pastors and elders uh, and and all of the different kinds of roles in the church, uh, because the church needs not just Uh, teaching, uh, and and care, but it also needs protection. There have to be people who are spiritually mature watching. They're looking for the wolf in sheep's clothing. They're looking for whoever might be spreading destructive heresy or whoever is defying. And and, and when I say defying authority, don't think the church has like got its thumb on you and like, you got to do everything we say. That's not at all what we're talking about. Because a true leader in a church should be following Christ. The leader in our church leadership team. Uh, so we've got pastor, we've got elders. Uh, we follow Christ. We do what Christ says, <laughs> and we we invite you along. Come with us. Hey, this is where we're going. This is where God says we need to go. Let's go. Some people will be in opposition to that. Some people will be in opposition to authority in that. Everyone deserves to hear the gospel of Christ. The church is a place where everyone is welcome, and it's not often that a church will straight out deny Christ, but churches, listen, they are there are people in the church, not let's say I say the capital C church, big church, universal church, that are not convinced of things that the gospel says. We stand here and we say things like Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through Christ. And some people in the church might think, I don't know if I totally believe that. I think maybe also Buddha might work. Or maybe some other way might work. Or maybe if I'm just sincere, that might work. Do you see what I'm saying? There's always going to be some people in the church that aren't agreeing with everything that Scripture says and everything that we are teaching Everyone is welcome, but we have to watch and stand guard. It is fine to come to church if you don't agree with everything. How else are you going to learn? How else are you going to be exposed to new ideas and Scripture and the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to change you and perfect you and and Christ to conform you into His image? How else will that happen? But we have to be careful. So two things. Compare everything you hear with the Bible. So we're talking about what you hear now. Does what you're hearing, what you're taught uh, in a small group now, today, right this moment, does it align with Scripture? Uh, and I say this all the time. Is the teaching of the pastor in line with the Bible? You should go home. You shouldn't just come to church and say, okay, yeah, Sean, Pastor Sean, he studied this week. He knows what he's talking about. He went to seminary. It's all good. I'm just going to go in there, and everything, he says, I'm just going to swallow, hook, line, and sinker. Ah. No. No. You should go home, you should get your book or your Bible out, however you get it, paperback, hardback, digital, you should get it out and you should read 2 Peter and you should compare it with some other places in the Bible. You know, go to Timothy, go to, go to Matthew, look and see what Paul says and, and say, okay, is this real? Is this true? You should always be, be doing that and asking the question, is it from the Bible? But it's not enough to simply say, is it from the Bible? Ask this question. So we're, we're drilling down A little further. Is this the Bible speaking? Because I can go and get Scripture from the Bible and tell you it means all kinds of stuff, but it might not really be the voice of the Bible because I've taken it out of context and I've twisted it to mean or say something that it doesn't. So not only do you, the, 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 the litmus test isn't just did he read some Scripture out of the Bible, but when He read it and he taught it. Was it the word of God being taught and spoken? Was the Bible speaking? Was God's word? Remember we talked last week about this book being alive and being a a different kind of book, one with which we can have a relationship because we can know the thoughts and the hearts and the attitude of the Father through this book. We want to know that when the pastor or somebody in a small group or somewhere is teaching that it's the voice of the Father through the word of God speaking and not Pastor Sean's ideas. Because I, I hope you didn't come to church to hear my ideas because I'm, I'm not that amazing. I'm really not. I'm not amazing at all. Just ask Lydia. I'm not amazing at all. <laughs> no, just kidding. She's like, uh oh. What are you hearing? Uh, and, and, and we're going to move on, but I just wanted to say this one more thing. It should, a message should never start... Or a teaching should never start with an idea I want to convey backed up by Scripture. That's backwards. You always start with what does the Bible say, now what does it mean? That that applies to all of us. You should never, I'm going to go go home and I get my Bible out, and I'm going to prove today that it says I can do this thing that I want to do. Wrong. (laughs) That is totally, how many of you have done that? It's like you have this thing you want to do and you think it might be a sin, but you're not sure and you're like, I think I'm going to read the Bible and find a, a loophole that allows me to do this thing. That, that, if you go to Scripture with that thought in your head, you, you already know the answer. You've already lost. It's like that, that's, a losing, that's a losing proposition. What does the Bible say? Then understand it. Then interpret it. Then glean the meaning from it. Don't go to it with this idea in your head. Okay, so what you hear... Should be something that you're filtering. Also, what do you see? How does the person in question follow? Now we're we're shifting to, to thinking again about how the the second Peter passage talked about individuals who were teaching or or de- being divisive in authority or, or or introducing secret heresies or whatever. We we watch this person and we we ask the question: How are they following? Are they following? Are they complaining? Are they griping? Are they blame shifting? Are they making things up? Are they lying? How do they follow? That's why one of our, one of our little secrets, and it's going to be out now, when you get involved here at, at Elmwood Park Community Church, you're, maybe you're a brand-new Christian, and you come to faith in Christ, and you get baptized, we're going to ask you to do something. It could be anything, but it's going to be small. You know, sometimes people go to church and they're like, this happened to me in Montana. We hadn't even launched a church yet, and a guy came to visit with his family, and he said, um, yeah, we want to join your church. I want to be the teaching pastor. And I was just like, are you insane? <laughs> I read this book right before that, and it was, one of the things was, if anybody in your new church starts, comes to you and says, I want to do this, put them at a list list, Put them their name at the top of a list that says people who will never do this thing. <laughs> you know? So I went in my office and I was like, okay, teaching pastor, I wrote his name down. He will not be the, You know, This warning, red flags. So we're going to test you. We're going to give you something little to do. How did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it willfully? Did you do it gladly? Did you do it well? Because if you're not, again, this is right out of Scripture. If you're not faithful with small things, how can you be faithful with big things? If you can't empty the trash... How can you lead somebody to faith in Christ? If you can't uh, do the small stuff, how can you be trusted with something more impactful, if you will? So watch people. How do they respond to leadership? Do they simply complain about perceived problems, or do they become involved to be part of the solution? Are they involved? Do they, do they build up the unity of the church, or are they in secret, in quiet conversations behind closed doors or in hallways or parking lots saying negative things and tearing down. These are ways you identify what's going on. Last part of this verse, and we're going to wrap up. It says, those who follow Christ are led astray by a false teacher or authorities. It says they are worse off than before meeting Christ. I I don't even know how to wrap my head around this. The author is saying that a person would be better off Lost and separated than to be saved and impacted by a false teacher who messed everything up in their life and kind of got them all turned around. That it would be better to just to be lost and and die and I I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Lost, die, go to hell is better than become saved and just be messed up by a false teacher. And I read this over and over again, and that is what it says. So, what does that say to us? We have to be really, really careful when we meet people who are twisting things, who are shifting things, who are lying, who are deceiving, who are defying authority. Those are people we have to be extremely careful with. We must be careful for our sake. But if anything you take away from today's message is that we have to be careful for the sake of people who come to faith in Christ, people that we lead to Christ, or new Christians that come into the church through different invitations, uh, or, or just off the street, or from the internet, however we meet them. We have to be so careful. Don't be fearful, but take it serious. We have to be careful. We have to be careful for the sake of those whom we influence. Now, if we circle all the way back to my story from the beginning of the message There's another heresy in what he said that I just want to address real quick because I think it's important. And it's the the heresy of a weak or non-existent connection to a church. Um, He said, yeah, I'm an end times harvester. I don't go to church. I just watch some videos on the Internet. Now, we're in a different day and age, aren't we? (laughs) Because some of you out there haven't met us yet in person and you're watching videos on the Internet. Uh, So we're not talking about the same thing as that. You know, we're going to meet, you're going to come eventually unless you live in Myanmar, and then we might not meet until we're in heaven. Um, But he happens to be a pastor, so I mean, he probably has his own group. He probably has his own flock as well. But what we're talking about here is that we have to be connected with a church. Being disconnected from a church is like a football player uh, who's a team of one, and he's going to take on you know, he goes out there with the ball, <laughs> and he's, there's nobody else on his side. <laughs> and there's all these guys lined up. I was going to say 12, but I don't play football or watch it. Is that right? 11. See, I don't even know. I should have just got my mouth shut. So he's lined up against 11 guys, right? One versus 11. What's going to happen? He's going to get creamed. Baseball. One guy. He, he got the batting down pretty good, but what if he only gets a single? It's like on first base, and there's like no one else to bat him in, right? And now, I guess, are we going to start with somebody on base? So we don't even—he doesn't even get a bat. He doesn't even get to bat. He's just stuck. Being part of a church is something that was on Paul's heart. Listen to what he says, he, uh, and I'm going to read some of his scripture in a minute. But he literally asked the question: Can an I go on living? Can, a, can a, a severed hand, can a, a separated body part continue to live after it's severed from the body? No. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says in verse 18, God arranged the members of the body. That's the body of Christ. It can be small as in the body of Christ in the church or the church universal. It, it can be looked at either way. But let's think about our church. We're a body of Christ. We're a gathered believers who, who live in a place, and, and we work and eat and sleep and have fun and good times and bad times and COVID and all the things in this place, where, wherever it is, um, Elmwood Park, uh, Schiller, Schiller, yeah, Franklin, Chicago, where, wherever it is, Wooddale, Wooddale, anyone? Where... We're gathered, and it says at, we are arranged and gathered as members of the body, each one of them as he chose, as God chooses. So God's decided to place the members of the body here at Elwood Park Community Church. If all were a single member, now we're not talking church member, but we're talking member of the body, if we, were, if we were all a single part, where would we be? Where would the body be? As it is there are many parts, I am not all hand or all eyeball. I have two eyes and two ears and nose, mouth, head, shoulders, arms, legs, right? If, if all of my body were one part, then where would the body be, he says. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body we think less honorable bestow the great honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. That's the purpose. Many parts, no division. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, individually, you are members of it. We have to stick together. <laughs> we have to stay together. The, the body of Christ needs the, the Terry's and the Louises and the Zoila's and the Lydia's and the Barbara's and the Chad's and the Marissa's, and I could go on naming all the names, the Brian's and the Marisels and the Jordan's. and the, I already said Jordan. Jordan, you're in twice. Woo! The Daniel's and the Faith's. All these parts are important. They all play a role. The the hand doesn't decide it doesn't want to be a part, and the body doesn't decide it doesn't want the hand either. (laughs) God has knit us together as Elmwood Park Community Church in a place and in a time to do something that He wants us to do. But remember, there's an enemy. Satan wants to kill and destroy. He's seeking to devour and he's watching and he's looking and he'll do that any way he can and one of the ways he does that is through false people, false teachers, people who defy authority. So be on, be on the watch. That's what he says to do, to be careful. I'm going to close by reading 2 Timothy 4. Actually, I'm have a. I'm going to pray in a minute and do a benediction, but Wanted to read 2 Timothy 4, just a couple of verses here. You know how much I love to read scripture, and I feel like I, I could say a lot, but the Bible says it better. So why would I why would I when we can hear God speak? This is Paul again. He says, I charge you, he's just a mention, he's talking to Timothy, a pastor. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, over and over, Jesus said it, Paul said it, uh, Timothy heard it, Timothy taught it, I'm sure. Um, the author of Second Peter says it, that we have to be awake and aware and on top of what's going on in the church and in our own lives. Lord, we don't uh, live in a day and age, and I'm not sure there ever was one, but where we have the luxury of just kind of sitting back uh, and everything's going to be great. If you're going to go to church, everything's going to be woo. Lord, we have to be on the ball. If anything I've read today uh, from the words of Jesus or Paul or the author of Second Peter, uh, it's this that we have to be aware. We have to be awake. We have to be watching. We have to be listening. We have to be seeking you, uh, Lord, as, as you taught us last week in, in the first chapter uh, of 1 Peter, that the, the, the Holy Spirit led men to write the books of the Bible, and you've given us this, this book, your word. Lord, I pray that we will devour it, that we will read it, that we will internalize it. That's really the only way we'll recognize something false. When somebody says something false, but we don't know the truth, we can't identify it. And then we're in danger of being carried away. Lord, I pray that you'll plant your word more strongly in our hearts through our obedience to read it and study it and internalize it. Uh, Now more than ever before, help us to understand it. It, it, it just feels like, uh, year by year, the, the pace at which the culture presses against the church, it, it picks up. And I go back and I read Paul and I think, yeah, I guess it must have been that bad for them too because a lot of the stuff they say sounds like the stuff we're saying today. But, Lord, it, it just seems like it's picking up. and We have to know what your Word says. So, Lord, plant it in our hearts. Teach us to live it. Lord, teach us what it means to be Christ followers. Lord, make us usable in your hands. For we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.